Heaven is real. And I don't know how it all works, but I know what I've seen. And you can't deny what you've actually seen and experienced. Can't do it. It's real. A real place. Rebecca Lamoureux had no faith. But about a year into her second marriage on a Christmas night, she called out to God in utter desperation. Not only did God manifest His presence to her that night and in the weeks to come, but Rebecca claims that God has given her the gift of vision into the spiritual realm and has even pulled her into heaven on multiple occasions since that time. She's our guest today, and you need to hear what she has to say. Welcome to A Stronger Faith, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to the experiences that change the faith of everyday people. I'm your host, Stacey McCants, and my job is to dig for truth as it relates to the presence of God in the spiritual life in today's world. Our prayer is that God makes Himself known to you through what you hear in these conversations, and that you are drawn closer to Him. We get almost all of our guests from listeners. The process is really simple. If you know of someone who has experienced God's presence in their life in such a way that it might impact others toward Christ, we encourage you to pray about it, encourage them to share their experience, and then possibly reach out to us. Our guests are truly everyday people just like you who believe they have experienced the presence of God in some way and that it's a gift meant to be shared with others to point people toward Christ. If God is placing someone in your heart, especially if that someone is you, you can reach out to us by visiting our website at astrongerfaith.com and filling out a very short form when you click the button that says recommend a guest or by emailing us at connect at astrongerfaith.com. Your guest recommendations fuel this podcast and it's a great way for you to participate in the Great Commission. Today's conversation is extraordinary. What you'll hear about the encounters and experiences of Rebecca Lamoureux will likely challenge some of your ideas about how God moves in this world and the reality of heaven. I encourage you to embrace this challenge and be open to how God may speak to you through what you hear today. Please meet Rebecca Lamoureux. Rebecca Lamoureux, you've had some experiences that are extraordinary. Some of the claims that you've made might seem unreal, unbelievable, outlandish, even to people of faith. You claim that you've been to heaven before, and not just once. But many times, if I'm not mistaken, nine times. And you're here today to talk about that. And so I'm excited. And my list of questions may be the longest list of questions <laughs> I've ever had. But Rebecca, I am, 
I'm thankful we had coffee a couple weeks ago and just had the best conversation. And you are so gracious. You, you believe that your story is one that you have to tell. And I'm just, I'm thankful that you are here. Welcome. Rebecca. Thank you. So I think we've got to get right into it. You've been to heaven nine times. Now, when I think about what I've heard of people who are living on earth that believe they've been to heaven, and I've done a lot of study and a lot, read a lot of books on this particular subject, most of the time it's happened because they've experienced some sort of trauma that ended their life, at least temporarily. They were clinically deceased. So accident or electrocution or cardiac arrest or whatever where they technically coded and they were taken into another dimension and they describe it as heaven and some of the things that I've read is just extraordinary not the case with you correct what happened first of all have you talked to anybody else do you know any other people who have had trips to heaven without this sort of near-death experience first no I don't so that's that's the first thing that strikes me as it strikes me too. It has always struck me because I have never been sick on an operating table, been in a wreck or any of the other people that I know and gone to heaven and seen heaven in different ways and everybody's story is always a little different. The things that Jesus has shown them in heaven. Mine was not that. So is this something that you would sort of get yourself in a condition for and almost book your trip kind of thing? Or were you just suddenly pulled and with no nothing going on on your part? No. My first experience was the most shock. Thereafter, having been once, the second time was a shock too, but it wasn't like the first time because the first time I just had read a book about God liked to be praised and I'd got up and sat on my sofa with my husband every morning and this morning I just decided to not ask for anything in prayer but to praise him and that's how it started I just was sudden I was just praising him and when I think about Jesus because of my because of my salvation, how I met him in the airplane, it's extraordinary. And so I've heard the voice of God audibly. So this experience, when I pray, I just picture being with Jesus. And I was just picturing being with Jesus that day. And walking along, I just happened to like the mountains, so I'm just walking along a little path. In your mind. You're, this is, In my mind. You're, and I'm you're just, creating this thought. I'm creating this thought to okay. praise. And I go, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to praise you today. I'm not going to ask for anything. And you pictured yourself walking in the mountain. And I just picture mountain. myself walking okay. on the mountain path. Okay. And we're walking on the mountain path, and in as I'm just picturing it. And then all of a sudden, I'm not picturing it. I'm actually there. I'm there. And Jesus is walking beside me, really. And that's when he was saying, you've always wanted to know about the wildflowers. And I just want to tell you love wildflowers. And I'm just going to tell you how I create. And I just speak. And when I speak for this wildflower to be more beautiful than the one before, then it is. And with that, he spoke 
and a different wildflower came up. And I knew in my, whether it was my mind or my spirit or my heart, I don't know, but I knew that I was not just sitting on my couch. I knew I was somewhere else. And this was real. That's awesome. So I I read several books on near-death experiences and many accounts of people's trips to heaven in these times. They describe them. They almost shake their head like to, to call it a hallucination or a dream is like you just don't understand. What I experienced is what this is what they tend to say. What I experienced was actually more real than what I'm experiencing as I live and breathe and when I walk on earth. Yes. Was it like that? Yes. Because I really thought I had died. Yeah. I thought I had died and gone to heaven, praising God. Praising Jesus. It wasn't that you were just immersed in some sort of vision. No, because I've had visions. Yeah. Uh, I've had lots of visions. But going somewhere is going somewhere. And I was taken. The me that's me, which I believe the spirit realm is the real realm anyway. And... We're in the physical, but there's the spiritual. And so it, I was literally not there and thought I had died. Yeah. People talk about this is less, like I said, this is, this is less real than that is. Yes. This is less real than that is. This is the, this is almost the deception, right? It's not the deception. Yeah. It's just a, and I've never had any of these ha- happen to me. I've just, I'm fascinated by it. And to me, and in, in the things that I've read, especially I guess you could still chalk things like this up to hallucination or dream or vision. But I think the thing that got me, especially on the people who had near-death experiences, was the reports of people's consciousness leaving their body. So you will hear people that will float above their body or whatever. And you're thinking, okay, they're just projecting that thought. But then there are people who report things well outside of their body and well outside of the room that they were in. For instance, someone said uh, it was in Chicago, I think it was, and um, there was a red tennis shoe behind an air conditioning vent on the roof or on a seal or window seal or something like that. When they came back, they reported that. And of course they went and checked. Sure enough, they could verify when, so when consciousness leaves the physical body, it starts getting into a place where I don't, I don't know how we explain something like that unless there is the ability for the soul to disconnect from the body and enter another state or realm. I'm not sure yeah. that I think it's the soul. I believe it's the spirit. Okay. It's your spirit that's going to leave your body when you die for good. Yeah, and science would say possibly that that that's just that your consciousness is located in your brain. And when your brain dies, your consciousness dies and you cease to exist. But when I, but when I hear things like what you've, what you're telling me, and when I read things like people seeing things apart from their body, 
indicating that their consciousness or spirit continued to exist as their body was dead, then that blows the the whole thing wide open, right? I mean, that's almost tangible evidence in a spiritual world of the truth of the spiritual life. And that's the thing that has always amazed me about my experiences because I wasn't dying. I was sitting. Yeah, and you know <laughs> And so I that is the thing that has always I think and I believe that's why God knew that I would have the courage or that he would give me the courage and I would be willing to tell you what happened to me and go all over and tell it. Yeah. Because it was going to be different from what other people have experienced in near-death experiences. Yeah, I find it interesting that, that this happened. When did your first one happen? It was in, in the 80s. Oh, you, no, 80. See, I met Jesus in 81, 80. It was 83 was my first heaven experience. So you've been to heaven since 83. It was your first experience. And in that time, I, I'm assuming you've been telling of this. All over. Since took that me time? a long time. Okay, so you didn't start in 83. I didn't start telling it in 83. Yeah, but, uh, but not, I mean, I told it to my family. Right. And my my life had, was already dramatic because I'd gone from being totally fallen to my, Jesus had dealt with me dramatically from the beginning when I met him in the airplane. I want to talk about that. When did you start telling people about the trips to heaven publicly? 90s, 95? Yeah, probably. Okay, so 95, that's what, 30 years, almost 30 yes. years? Well, I find it interesting that you've yet to encounter somebody that says, I also have been to heaven without being clinically dead. Seems like somebody else would have said something like that. It's like, I share that experience with you. Because we've had people on here that have had encounters with demons. And they're scared to talk about it because they think they're going to sound crazy. But once they do, usually... Somebody else kind of pops their finger up. It's like uh, something similar happened to me, mm -hmm. and I just dismissed it. And it's comforting to know that it happened to somebody else and not just me. And so so what you're saying is in the 27 years or so you've been talking about this, nobody else has come to you and said, I also feel like I have been to heaven without being in a place where I was clinically deceased or a near-death experience. No. I haven't had that. I yeah. haven't had any. Where I've gone and told it in churches and groups all over, people have been just wanting to, always wanting to come up and just ask me questions yeah. about Jesus and what I've seen and what what I think about this or questions that you just can't believe people will ask you yeah, uh, because sure. I, I can only tell you what I've seen and what I've experienced and you know I don't know anything else uh, but um, just I haven't had ever anybody come up and say I've been to heaven too and I wasn't dead yeah and I mean I was fine sitting on my couch yeah no I haven't so. I want to I want to come back to what happened with you sitting on the couch, but it sounds like you, because you've referenced it two or three times that 
the inbreak, your your salvation moment. You you had a you didn't have a gradual thing happen. You had an event happen. Yes. In your meeting Jesus. Tell me about that. I was had been married a year to my second husband, divorced. Uh, my first husband had my two children. We were on a little private plane, and we had been married a year. And in that exact year, and it was December 25th, and I'd left my children and his children we'd picked up, and we were coming back to where we lived. And I realized in that moment that I had really messed up my life. I had really not done a good job. And I cried out. I brought up in the church, but I'd never, I don't know what I believed. Growing up in the 60s, we were in the God is dead generation. And so a lot of people didn't believe. And I just cried out in that little six-seater airplane, God, I don't know if you're real, but if you are, help me. And I I, would have jumped out of that plane that night if I could have. And in that instant, the plane lit up with the brightest light I have ever seen, eyes open of mine open. And that plane was filled with light. And I couldn't believe it. And the light began to audibly speak to me. The light said... And it became the light as it began to speak after filling the plane, it came and was like a ball of light right across from me. And the light began to speak. The light said, Rebecca, I won't change the path you've chosen, but I will walk with you every step of the way. It will take some time to clean up, paint up, fix up Rebecca. But I have a work to you for you to do. And your first act of obedience will be to put down the cigarettes I'd smoked forever and to read the Bible. And you are to read nothing but the Bible. Nothing anybody ever said about the Bible, just the straight Bible, period. And he talked that whole entire time. I looked over at my husband and said, do you see anything? I thought I was going crazy. I thought I was flipping out. And He said, no, I don't see anything. And the minute the plane landed, the light was gone. And I got in the car, lit up a cigarette immediately, of course. I said, have you ever thought about quitting smoking? Philip said, no. I said, me either. We both lit up cigarettes. I didn't know what had happened to me. And when I got that that week when I went back to pick my girls back up and drop his children off, back to their mother and me getting mine from their father. I was sitting at my dining room table with my mother telling her everything that had happened to me because I didn't know what had happened to me. And she didn't understand it. I mean, she said, well, I'll go ask the preacher and see what he thinks about it. And I was walking back to, I got up from the table and I went back to the, her hall, I went down the hall and this voice behind me, the loudest voice I've ever heard said, I said your first act of obedience will be to put down the cigarettes. And I'm telling you that if anybody I know ever heard that voice, I looked around to see who it was behind me, and it was nobody there. 
but you would never put a cigarette in your mouth again if you ever heard that voice, and I never did. So my walk has been a dramatic walk. Have you ever heard, to that point, had you ever heard a voice before? No. Ever seen some sort of vision like that before? No. It was that time in an instant. No history of any of this. No history of anything. No, no childhood, growing up in the Presbyterian Church, no. Yeah. I heard nothing, saw nothing, believed nothing. Was the voice different the second time than on the plane? No, it, it's the, it, it was just the loudest, most serious voice. And I believe you would do what he said. And I've, believe me, I've uh, messed up a lot. Ever so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I didn't t- suddenly start walking a great, perfect path, but it changed. But my life was totally changed. It was going down one path and it turned a right turn and yeah. it has never been the same since. People that I've talked to that have heard the what they d- believe to be the audible voice of God, and I always like to get into descriptions of that, describe it in such a way is that it was probably uh, the most loving voice they could imagine, but simultaneously with the most authority. The most authority, and you would never want yeah in your being to not listen to that voice and do it and yeah. obey it yeah, sure and love is so everything about god is love mm-hmm. everything about the holy spirit and jesus the whole trinity people always ask me explain the trinity i, I can't explain the trinity i just just because I've been to heaven, I don't know everything. Yeah. But I do know that I've seen Jesus, and I know that the Holy Spirit looks just like Jesus, mm. and he just always comes with a dove on his shoulder. And that's how I know the difference when I'm in my room praying or worshiping or whatever. I know the difference because the Holy Spirit, and I don't know why I see with my eyes, the things that I see. Are you saying that you see when when the Holy Spirit is in the room with you? Are you saying that you see with my eyes open? I see visually. You have a visually, visually, visually of the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. Visually, when I, if I open my eyes, I'll see the Holy Spirit there. When I do see Him, what, what do you I mean, see? I don't see Him all the time. Yeah, what do you see? He looks just like Jesus. I see, have seen Jesus a million times, but he looks like Jesus. But he always, the way, way that I know it's the Holy Spirit and not Jesus is because he always has a dove on his shoulder. And he's, uh, he lives in me, but he also is real. It's just real. You can't pretend something is not real if it's real. So does he look like when when he appears in your room with you, is it as tangible as what you described as heaven was, or is this more of a vision? No, it's not a vision because I've had lots of visions. Visions are not like real. A vision like the dying experience was a vision. And I, I asked at the time, why is this a vision? 
And, and Jesus said, because if I let you really experience this, I could never ask you to come back. Yeah. Because the dying experience is the most incredible experience anybody ever experiences. Mm. When Jesus comes and gets you and takes you, that is the most incredible experience. And he said, it has to be a vision. I can bring you and show you lots of places in heaven and let you see lots of heaven. But I could, I, and I ask you to come back and tell it, but I, I could never let you really experience the dying and ask you to come back. Yeah. It would be too mean. Too mean. Yeah. <laughs> I already never want to come back from uh, heaven. So I already begged to stay, but so I no, I don't what, get to stay. I wonder what kind of deal they worked out with Lazarus. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he was in there for like four days. And yes. Know, setting exactly. up shop. He's like, yeah, okay. And, and they were like, okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal, but <laughs> come on out. <laughs> <laughs> he got the worst end of that deal. Yeah. But no, it was I, a good yeah. Well, but he, Jesus hadn't risen yet. So he, had, Jesus he had to do some stuff. Uh, he had a job to do. So, um, so I want to get to this first experience. So you were sitting on your couch, you say, with your husband. Yes. When this happened. How long were you in heaven, do you think? I don't know, but it was probably literally maybe 30 minutes or 45 minutes. From what you felt like in heaven. Did time move the same time as heaven? Time perfectly normal in heaven. Okay. I asked my husband when I came back, honey, have I been here? And he said, you have been completely and totally silent and still. Did he say for how long? And he didn't say for how long. I think it had probably been, you know, maybe 30, 40 minutes. Really? Mm -hmm. 30? I can't be still for 30 or I can't. <laughs> as you can see me now, I can't be still <laughs> for three seconds. <laughs> no, uh, that's interesting. So your body was there. My body was there and I was breathing. And you were alive. So that's interesting. So you're not... This, I, I keep going back to this near-death experience thing, and, and but but you were your body was alive here. You just weren't in it. In it. That's the mystery yeah. of the spirit realm. And I can't ask you to. I mean, because there's no way you're explaining. I could that. not explain <laughs> to you that because I don't know. The spirit realm is just the real realm, and yet, just like being in heaven, people. Look real. They just all look young, but but they look real. They don't look spirit. I mean, they don't look not like they're not real people. They look like they look like real people yeah, walking down seeing. the street. It's just that the street's gold and um, just like the river. That so. All right, then there you go. You got to tell me about it. You got to tell me what you saw. Well, the you know the the first time I was. <laughs> I gotta know. Tell me about the grass. Tell me about the birds or their birds. Tell me about the water. I got. I like these details. But uh, okay, go ahead. Here, I'll just tell you a little bit. The first time, um, and we were when I was walking on the on the path. Then we were. He said we were sitting. We walked over from the path, this mountain path, and sat down in this little mountain stream. And we both had. And this is really irritated some people sometime. I had a lady in a gar uh, 
grocery store tell me that she didn't think we'd wear pants. Well, this time, uh, we <laughs> <laughs> we had on real white pants. Yeah. We went over to the mountain stream. Did she think you'd be wearing robes? Yeah. Or? Well, and I have seen us wear robes other times, but she okay. just thought a woman wouldn't be in pants. Really? <laughs> you know, people. <laughs> Anyhow, all uh, right, go ahead. So, I got to get on. So, go ahead. So, uh, we walk over to this um, after we're on the garden path, and he the wildflowers. One, he'd pull one up, another one would immediately come up. Then he said, "Well, we go sit down." We walk over mountain path, mountain stream, sit down. We both have on real white pants, and he starts. And over to the left is a huge waterfall, and he's and the people are in it. I see people to the left playing. They can breathe under the water. I see that. And our feet are dangling in the water. You're and in the water. My little feet. You know how if you're sitting on a little mountain stream, yeah. uh, your feet are dangling in the water. We're sitting on the side, and our feet are just dangling in the water. Is it like our water? Different water? It. Well, it looked just like water. But the fact that the people of the waterfall that was over to the left and the people playing in it, they were breathing under it. So that wasn't exactly like our water, no, is it? I guess not. <laughs> so they're just they're just uh, breathing, swimming, having a great time, talking, laughing, lots of people. And Jesus begins telling begins telling me about his how much he loves his people, how much he adores the people, and he just told me a lot of things that. I can't remember that were buried that have come up later in my yeah. spirit. But when he said, let's go down, let's walk down the stream, we stood up. And when we stood up and I looked down into the water, I realized that the bottom, that instead of being silty like a um, regular mountain stream mm-hmm. would be sandy looking, was gold. Mm-hmm. It looked like gold flakes. And the rocks instead of being little rocks that you walk on were emeralds and sapphires and diamonds and rubies and i realized that i could see a real distance and i realized that there were i could see a little rabbit and i could see um people off in the distance and uh, it scared me because i hate snakes i'm terrified of them and I, so i said what are those crazy people in the springtime off playing in the woods and he said there's nothing here that can hurt you there are no snakes here no snakes here because i saw the rabbits so i knew there were animals and i said well that's really cool and that's when he said let's go to the um, picking garden i'll take you to the picking garden and with that we were instantly we were walking on the mountain stream and then suddenly we were instantly at this little bridge that went over this water and it, it, we walked over the bridge, and when we did, we could see, I could just, it was a pasture, and then all these beautiful flowers, only instead of being like we would grow the flowers, they were all in their own groups. And he said, this is where people come to pick flowers for their houses. And I went over and picked up a carnation, and as soon as I did, I popped, another one popped right up. So there wasn't any time zinnias were going under a tree i know they need a lot of sun well there was they were under a lot of shade but then he said but this place is lit by the glory and it goes under and around and above and all over everything and the plant and the flowers dig deep into the 
earth to get the living water because the living water is what runs everywhere here. And we, I mean, you want me to tell the whole? I love that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm sitting, and I'm I'm thinking about things, other things that I've read, and, and this light that is that is everywhere. It's everywhere. no, yeah. It, there's no, yeah. It's it's an ongoing light, and it's not from an object. It is from the glory of God. It's and from the glory of God. It shines. I've heard this above, yeah. around, under, and in. So that's why the zinnias didn't have to be. Were they zinnias? Yeah, there was angels. incarnations as we know them here. And and the roses, I went over and picked up a talisman rose and I went and picked it up and it didn't have any thorns on it. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I said, there are no thorns. He said, Rebecca, there's nothing here that can hurt you. No, those roses don't have any thorns. <sighs> and the fact that the instant you pick the carnation, another one popped up in its place. Yeah. So... People can always come because there'll always be flowers there. They don't have to take the season to grow. Once you pick them, they won't take any time because time is irrelevant. Yeah. And I think that's what we have the hardest time understanding here. We live in time. Heaven is not time. Yeah. It's, there it isn't any time. time. Yeah. And that's a tough, that's a tough concept. And if you haven't, seen it just like i didn't when he said i had to come back and tell people about it and i told him i wouldn't consider doing such a thing i wouldn't tell anybody i'd gone to heaven they think i was a lunatic yeah but he just sits there and waits until you're ready to accept all the things that he wants you to do and i just have to say one thing the most important thing everything exudes love Love is everything. You could have you could take away everything. All the beauty, all the glory, the streets of gold that I've seen, all of the things that I've seen and all the visits. As long as he is there. Yeah. And the fact that he has to keep that hole in his wrist and you just put your hand over it and it's a big hole and it, you can't see the bottom of it. And he said, because you see, you don't lose free will here. You're not going to lose your free will. This is what paid for you. This, this death on the cross. So there is a lot there of it full of joy and incredible, but there's also a lot that we don't and can't comprehend. I think that's why he sent me back to tell about it because I think people are terrified to die. Of course. And so they don't realize how incredible it is. And everything is lit by the glory of God. And I will say that when I ended that first visit, when he, you know, I was thought I was there forever. I was so ecstatic and he said, I want you to go back and tell people about heaven. And I said, I'm not thinking about doing that. I said, no way. Number one, they'll lock me up and think it make me, I'd be crazy. And number two, I'm not thinking about leaving you. I knew my children were here. I knew my mother was here and father were here. I knew my husband was here. I said, get him another mother, get him another wife, get him another daughter. 
I don't want to come back. Yeah. There's nobody there that doesn't want to be there. Right. And so I think that was um, probably the um, most difficult part of it. And he didn't push me. We sat there and he, he just didn't push. He said, You've, you're going to go back and tell people about it. And he waited until I, you just can't resist him. He is irresistible in a depth of love that I don't think we can fathom. No way. Yeah. It, yeah. I haven't been, but I think that's what we don't understand. That's the thing we don't understand is the depth of love that with which he has for us. I'm sitting here wide-eyed as I listen to your descriptions of your experience. This is just one. I have so many questions. I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get to them all, but I'm going to do my best. I want to come back to Jesus. I think this is going to be the most important thing. So you came back. Yes. You're back on your couch. What happened? I was sitting on my couch when I finally acquiesced, and he waited till I did. And then we were in the throne room, and I, the throne room was incredible. People praising God. This is still the first visit? This is the first visit. Oh, it was incredible. And and we were standing together, and I understood, I, I knew that a, uh, in front of me was this beautiful throne, and I knew that had to be where the Father was. But Jesus stood beside me and praised, and the music was incredible. The people, just millions of people. How big is this throne room? I, it seemed like it just went on forever. Yeah, yeah. And he just stood beside me, and I. it was in that moment with him standing, praising the Father, Beside me, I suddenly understood what it meant to be a joint heir with Christ. Mm. And in that minute, as soon as that happened, I was back on my sofa. And that's when I looked over to Philip and said, have I been here? What's this? What's going on? And he said, you have been completely still and silent for a long time and I just looked at him and said you're not gonna believe this but I've been to heaven I jumped up and ran to my phone it was my mother's birthday May 6th and I ran to that phone and called my mama and I said you are not gonna believe this but I have been to heaven what did he do check the medicine cabinet <laughs> make a call to the doctor see if any medications crazy, interacting <laughs> crazy crazy I was so young and so crazy but Mother believed it totally, and yeah. Uh, but my, I'd already, my walk had already been kind of dramatic. Uh huh. But it was beyond anything I'd ever imagined. Do could you ever feel happen. like? Yeah. Do you feel like at that first time? Do you feel like you were in a place of faith, uh, intimacy with God that was at a heightened place? I, I, here, mm -hmm. here's where here's where I'm going with that. A lot of people believe that uh, a lot of the spiritual gifts that we have, whether it's prophecy or healing, uh, dealing with demons, stuff like that, uh, that, that we're able to sort of tap into those gifts at a higher level relative to the intimacy that we are in connection with God. I'll tell you what. 
I believe that you are given the gifts that you are created to be given because mm-hmm. I really wanted the gift of healing mm-hmm. when I started finding out about the because I started reading the Bible I didn't read anything else for three years I lived reading the Bible just the Bible 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 Philip went off to work my children went off to school I didn't know a single human in this new town that I was in and I was I had it on tape those were the tape days yeah I had it on tape and I'd listen to it as I vacuumed and so I I didn't do anything but read the Bible. And when I found out about, was reading the funny sounds that were coming out of my mouth, and then Mother found out about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, they were doing something on CBN, and she found out about that and called me, and I said, oh, that and it makes my made my prayer language so much more. It's just a different, it's just a great gift. Uh, it just makes it more able to, when you pray in the spirit, you're kind of out of it, and it's not your mind praying, but your spirit. Mm. But so I was so young, and I said, well, I would like the gift of healing. That's what I want to do. And I've always told people, be careful what you ask not to have. And I said, I really don't want to see things in the spirit and stuff like that, and I don't want to, um, sure don't want to prophesy. Of course, those are the very gifts that I got. Mm. So seeing in the spirit does people may think you're crazy, but I learned Jesus was always beside me. And so I have, I don't know why the walk has been dramatic. I don't know why I've seen the things I've seen, but I have seen demons. I have seen the devil. I have, I can see, I see in the spirit. I pray in the spirit and I see in the spirit. And I think, that's part of the gift that I was, that, that's the gifts that I were, was given. Yeah, and I guess where I'm going with that is is I hear, and I'll be honest, I experience that to my own degree as well. When my time spent with God is increased, when my intimacy with Him, when I'm more in His Word, when I'm deeper in His Word, when I'm deeper in prayer, I am more attuned to his voice. I'm more attuned to the things of what we would consider to be the spirit realm or world. I know that non-believers would probably be eye-rolling at that thought, but until you've experienced it, I mean, you really don't have a leg to stand on. So I guess the question is, when you got that first trip to heaven, it sounds like you said the first three years you did literally read nothing but the Bible. Literally. Sounds like you probably, were you in prayer a lot? Were you, did you feel like you were in a real intimate place with the creator at that time? I I mean, I, I had so many experiences in those first years. Yeah. I just could see things. Somebody would look up, I was running, jogging at the time, and I would get, and I could hear God. And I, you know, a very thing I said I don't want to see is, I don't want to see in the spirit. I don't want to see. I don't want to have that gift. Well, I'm running down my street one day, jogging, and I look up, and lady's working in her yard, and I look up, and I see a demon on her face, and I just, hey, said hey, and just kept walking. It has really enabled me to pray Hmm. with a 
power that only the Holy Spirit can give you. But the benefit of how to pray, I would have never dreamed because like I said, prophets in the Bible, as I was reading that, nobody ever liked them. So I sure didn't want the gift of prophecy. And I've prophesied for 40 years. I mean, every time my friend and I meet at the end of the meeting, God speaks to us through me. We have hundreds of tapes. Hundreds. Give an example. I mean, prophesy. What, what, what do you, what's coming to that? Uh, prophecy is hearing the voice of God and speaking what he says. So we'll bow our, after we've done our prayer time and read the Bible and pray and worship, then God will say, girls, and he'll tell us what he wants next for us to be walking in what he wants us to be praying, what he's doing in these days. Just the most recent ones are pray for this generation because this generation is going to have to encounter me. They're not going to make it if they don't encounter me. Mm. And I'll just be sitting there and then I just hear him. I just hear him speaking to me and I speak out those words. Mm. She tapes it. (laughs) She tapes it on the phone. Oh, really? But she has so much revelation in the word we're all given different gifts yeah and i don't know why i'm the one who sees in the spirit well yeah you talk about prophecy i I guess neighborhood of first corinthians 14 15 12 14 somewhere in there paul talks about prophecy and tongues and the gifts all the gifts of the spirit yeah, that's right. And he talks about prophecy being the purpose to sort of build up, to build up the church, to encourage and build up and that sort of thing. And I've had people on here that have that gift in some way, and and they've reached out to me before with a word from God about us, our family, uh, yes. whatever else it is. And it's usually in, I'm always, every time they send me a text, I was like, oh gosh, what's what are you going to say? Yeah, no. Are we doomed? No, it's it's not that so much as it is in, it tends to be things, at least from my experience, that encourages me in my faith, that draws me closer to God. And that's what it does. I mean, yeah. God speaks to us, and he has grown us over these years, over these 30-something years that we've been meeting every day. He has, it's changed drastically. Things about our children, things about our lives, he will say to us. And I think that's prophecy. But there are lots of different kinds of prophecy in that somebody hears something to tell you Mm -hmm. that they've heard God say to tell you about. That's one kind. And then to tell the whole um, community. Um, Mm -hmm. You think about all the prophets in the Old Testament. That's why I said I didn't want to do that because I all of them had horrible lives. I wasn't keen on that. And you know, I was thirty something years old thinking, yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. But God knows what's perfect for you and he'll give you the gift that is best for you, for what the call on your life is. Everybody has a call on their life. And you want to do the call on your life. God is so perfect and brilliant that he gives us the perfect gift for us to do the call that he has on our life to bring him to other people. 
Because the main thing is that people find Jesus, walk with Jesus, know Jesus, and he's got to be real. He's got to be real. And that's what's critical. Yeah. That he's real. Yeah. So so these gifts, did those take place or kind of sort of revealed to you from the time of your encounter on that plane? Um, or was it as that second voice as you began to say, okay, I'm taking this a little more seriously now. I can't hear that command from that voice and not heed that command. And then you started spending a lot of time with God. You started reading scripture and it was the only thing you read. Did they, when did the gifts come into the picture for you? From the minute I met him in the airplane, Mm. everything changed. Did it? My whole life changed. And God is the one who's so smart, and we're not. He knew the perfect gifts for what he was going to call us to walk in. And now, this many years down the road, I wouldn't take anything for all the people that I've gotten to reach and help. And So you've been given this vision into sort of the spiritual realm of things that are going on around us. So there's different ways of looking at it, I think what you tend to see in Scripture is there's sort of three heavens. First heaven is sort of the atmosphere that we are experiencing. Second heaven is sort of this spiritual realm, even where you can have visions of or or experience and encounter things in the spiritual world, whether it's demons, angels, where you can see. And then sort of this third heaven, Paul talks about this. It's the paradise where what it sounds like what you described earlier it's sort of the place that is created where there is the throne room and god and jesus and it's all there you know flowers are instantly replaced it's beautiful it's colorful it's bright it's filled with the glory of god that's sort of the third heaven paul's in i don't know second corinthians 12 or something like that he talks about himself really i think that's what scholars believe he's talking about himself was caught up in a third Where heaven. Where he was caught up, yeah. yeah. and he talks mm-hmm. about hearing things that are unspeakable to say because they're just too great and stuff like that. But what you believe is the gift that you've been given, one of the gifts that you've been given, is visibility into what would, in that example there, would be this second heaven, right? This realm of spirituality that normal people walking around just don't see. And so you see demons with your eyes on earth where people that don't have that gift can't see that Pro- and i haven't seen millions of them yeah. i don't i, don't, I mean angels like, as well right you, right i've yeah. talked to you and and you've talked about being in a church where you've looked up and there he was yes yes i do I, but i think right now that i'm seeing a lot in our church uh, because I'm standing next to my 15-year-old grandson every Sunday. And for them, for him, he has a call on his life. And for him, I will see the Holy Spirit or Jesus holding the fishing pole with the fish. Uh, and I can tell him what I'm seeing. And Michael and Gabriel, I see them a lot because they always come with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so they're huge, tall angels, and I've seen. What, lo- what do they look like? I'm sorry, you know my <laughs> questions. I got to know. I, you can't. They're tall. All right, how tall? 
they're they're really tall, probably gosh, I don't know how many feet. They're way taller than what Jesus is, and so they're they're maybe twenty feet tall. Oh yeah. What are they wearing? Well, they um they have armor on. Um they're dressed with armor and they just look like men, hair down to their shoulders. Mm. Um they're just very powerful. Very powerful. Robes. And armor. Armor. Yeah. So they look like they're soldiers. They look like they're um in soldiers from a bygone era. Yeah. Yeah, not not how our soldiers would be right. dressed, but how they would with swords and um shields. Huh. And um every time you've seen them they look like that. Have you yes. ever Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what Michael and Gabriel have looked like. Okay. Powerful. Just raw power. My understanding is Michael is more of the warrior warrior battler and Gabriel's more the, of the sort of messenger. messenger. Yes. But but Gabriel still had on that. But they still have on um and they just have on armor. Yeah. They're there with Jesus. When he's coming to my room the one time that he has come in um they've been with him. And so I've seen them Every time they've come with him, yeah, he's got them with him, with them, with him. Yeah, so fascinating. All of it's so fascinating. Uh, I don't know how you walk around. Um, and, having, and I'm still just as fallen as everybody. Believe yeah. me, I still. You know, people say, "Well, if I'd gotten to go all these times, I'd be this." No, you wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't. I, We're all still fallen. I'm still. It is reaching, but and but you've seen things. Right. I've seen a lot. If if someone had to come up to you and say, Rebecca, um, what is it that makes you think that all this God stuff is actually real? What would you say? I would have to say because I have actually seen it. Yeah, and, and I, that's the I, difference. I, can't I think deny, people are probably saying, "Yeah, I can't deny what I've seen with my eyes open, and I feel His presence lots of times and don't see, but when I see." I see. I see with my eyes open. I see him. And it's just like somebody in church asked me Sunday as we were walking out, a group I had told my story to last week. And she said, I just felt the Spirit of God. I felt the Spirit of God so much this today. What did you see? And she said, I knew you were probably seeing something. And I said, well, you know, I did. There's a different, the Holy Spirit is not bound by us. He can come in a myriad of ways. Mm -hmm. And her experience is just as real as mine is. We just have different experiences. She's experiencing the presence of God in there. I just happen to be seeing things with my eyes in there. Wow. It's all the presence of God. It is. And I I experience the presence of God in a different way. I I feel it emotionally. Uh, I was in a a prayer service recently. In fact, you were there. I saw you there. You and your husband were there. Mm-hmm. And um, I was uh, reading a prayer card. Pray for people who have asked for prayer. And, and this particular one, uh, there was a family that was divided mm-hmm. and struggling. And the person who asked for prayer, you know, asked for 
prayer around that. And it was, you know, normally I would see that card and I would say, okay, I'll pray for these people and God lift them up and these other things. And man, I just was hit in the moment and I felt my head turn and my eyebrows furrowed up. It's never happened before. I'm like, what's going on here? And it was dark. And there was, there was, uh, there was an attack that is happening to that family and I could feel Feel it. it. I could feel it. And it, it broke me down. I found myself crying in that place. Every time the Holy Spirit gets <clears throat> closer to me, I get emotional. I do too. And I don't get super emotional about anything else. And I don't manufacture this stuff. And um, But uh, anyway, yeah, that's how it's happened for me. I'd love to be able to see things. I think also, you're probably saying be careful about asking for that. But, yeah, be careful about asking for it. <laughs> um, the I, job that comes with it. Well, I do ask him to, to pull me in further uh, every day and um, to give me what I can handle, what he feels like I can handle. And, I will continue to do that, and uh, hopefully he is able to entrust me with more spirituality than I have had to this point, but I just let him make those decisions. But so interesting for you uh, to hear your gift of being able to not just feel the presence of God, but to see into sort of this spiritual realm, second heaven, and then to be brought into the into heaven itself. So you say you've been nine times. Did it look the same every time? Or did it were there were there substantial differences between any of the visits as far as what it looked like? Well, I've just been taken to different parts of it. And so, you know, I've seen my house. I've seen You've seen your house. Yes, I've I've been to my house. I've seen my the house he has prepared for you yes. or is preparing mm-hmm. for it's you. It's a beautiful house. And I saw it the first time and only saw the 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 first time I saw it I just looked in the window, and I could see the, and it was a big English house, and and I was not happy because the yard was real little, and um, <laughs> it was it was uh, the trees were a little bitty; they looked like they'd just been planted, and so they had. And when I turned around, and that was the second time, and uh, Jesus said, "I want you to let go of your Bible study, but I'm letting you see your house." And I saw it, and um, I didn't like the. Um, Yard. The landscaping was not quite mature enough. No. <laughs> so, yeah. So hey, that was. Uh, What'd you and say? I said, Did you I tell said Jesus, I love the house, but it's about the yard. And he started laughing, of course. And he said, Rebecca, we just planted your yard yesterday, and it's. But when you get back, and that's when I said, No, I'll stay. I'll stay with it. Bad. I never want to come back. You never want to come back. Yeah. And I beg and beg, and he said, No, you've got to go back and let go of your Bible study and let me be me in there. Uh, because that's what he brought me back for. But, you know, the dog, the animals talk. I mean, the llama that I saw the second time say. You saw a llama. Yes, the second time. And he said, praise the Lord. And he had real soft white hair. And everything there loves God and worships God and is happy. And they speak. And I've seen, I've seen my dog. One of the times my dog died and my uh, my son-in-law called me and to tell me and we were we happened to be at the beach and i was very very sad he died when he was at the vet and when we were out of town and i came back down and sat on the beach and as i I was weeping and i looked and lo and behold i looked up and there was buddy my german shepherd and he was floating across the sky i opened my eyes and there he was and when he got to right in front of us he turned to me and he said praise the lord and then he just 
went on down the beach. <laughs> and uh, This is I, in one of your and, trips? And this is, no, I was just sitting on my beach, at the beach. And I oh. said, oh my gosh. Wow. Yes, I know they're there. They're, so I know, and it's really helped a lot of people when I've gotten to tell them about uh, their pets are there. They, or pet, yeah, your pets are there. Yeah, well, that's a big question. There. I think that's something that anybody would ask. The dog, the dogs go to heaven. Yeah, they your do. Pets go to heaven. And I, I, I don't know about cats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Didn't see any cats in heaven. <laughs> that's funny. No. no, yeah, yeah. No, I like cats. People too. <laughs> are people that are um, dog people, especially. You know, yeah. You, 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 oh, I've had so many people. That I wouldn't be surprised dogs. if we get to heaven one day, and you could probably speak to this or whatever. And um, we discovered that. Angels in disguise were actually wearing coats. Of the, I yeah, think they were in our homes. I think as, they were dogs, golden retrievers for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, so it it brings me to Jesus. What did he look like? Jesus. What does he look like? What does he look like? Have you ever seen a picture? Here? You know the little boy that went to heaven. Look at the look at the deal under your pad there. I got a notepad and I printed out a picture. From yes, this is the little boy so that went to heaven. The, yeah, and he looks, and I have a picture. I have this picture in my study too, my prayer room. Okay, uh, it was her, her girl's name, Akian, Cromeric uh, or whatever. She drew at, it at eight, to eight years old. It was her vision, I guess. And then when showed to uh, Colton Burpo from yeah. Heaven Is for Real, yeah. he's like the little boy. Yeah, that's he said. Yeah, that's exactly. Do you, does, does that and resemble? He looks very. When I've been, his hair was not this short, but he looks like this. Yeah. But he does have brown eyes. Yeah. Very he's interesting. Jewish. He's very Jew- He's Jewish. Yeah. Well, yeah, we of course. And so he, I had a girl in the, in the prison ministry that I do say, well, what does Jesus look like? And she was a black girl. And I said, well, he, he doesn't look like you because he has Jewish colored skin white skin but he doesn't look like me either he doesn't have green eyes he's jewish he's got brown eyes and he's jewish and she just when i saw her the next week and she didn't think i'd remember her and when she came in she said do you remember me and i said he doesn't look like you (laughs) (laughs) and she began weeping Oh, yeah. she remembered me. She remembered yeah. me. So people just want to know that you love them. And I think that's what everything, anybody that's been to heaven knows that love surpasses everything. And he's love. And he loves all of us. And so. So he looks like that? So he lo- Yes, I have this picture similar. in my. Looks yeah. very similar. I need to get that. Beard. Yeah, I have it, I'll, I have I'll it in my post study. a link to that picture in the. Uh, comments or in the um, description for the episode so that it's just that when i've seen him he had his hair was longer yeah how tall was down to his shoulders um it was taller than i am just a normal yeah probably six feet maybe any other thing distinctive Um, other than the marks you saw the marks i just want to tell you this every fiber of his being exudes love like you have never known his hair his his hands and the feet that have the hallmarks too in them it just he could take away every single 
part of this gorgeous heaven and all the times and the places I've seen there. He could take all that away, my house, the flowers, the everything, and just be him. That's all I would ever want. I just, when I've held his hand and just, just he's just let me hold his hand and the life that pours out of just touching his hand is everything, everything. You don't need anything but that. And he could take all of it away and that'd be fine. I'd be perfectly happy if none of that was there. It is all there and it is all fun. That's why the, the when I, when I went back that third time and I got to go to my upstairs and I was sitting um, and he was walking up with me and I, my house happens to look out over the mountains because I love mountains and snow capped mountains. And, and he said, this is where I come with everybody. And he said, and how sat down on the bed. It was just this big four poster bed. And it was just soft, soft mattress. And he pulled up a big wing chair and sat beside me and he just held my hand. And he said, this is where I will come. And I do this for everybody and share the secrets of the universe. You'll learn and know everything. You'll know all the secrets of the universe. But this is where we'll have one-on-one time. And the thought that you would get to have him holding your hand and talking to you and being with you makes everything else pale. Nothing matters but that. Nothing. Don't you think that that is the spiritual truth that confronts us even on earth? Yes. Do you hear what I'm saying with that? That if we can get our view of God a little more aligned to the truth of who he is and and begin to move into sort of his way of being and his will and his space, that we would get to the point where we would say the same thing here. You just got a chance to experience it. You, you, you've actually experienced it in... In a, heavenly, in a heavenly way. But isn't it the same truth that if we just, instead of trying to get his gifts, and try, instead of trying to be the beneficiary of the goodness of, you know, but it just be, I just want you. Just him. He, everything pales in comparison. So to the people that are listening to this that have seen your videos or read your books, um, heard you speak, uh, listening to this, based on, and, and I know we've only scratched the surface to what you've experienced, but based on all of that stuff, is that your message? Is there some message or other message that you would have based on what you've experienced? My message, based on all my experiences that are ongoing, would be just that. Love is everything. And you can do nothing. You just think you can, but you can't do anything. He does everything through you. And you want, for me, I would just ask everybody to say, Lord, let me encounter you in the way you've created me to be encountered. Because everybody's encounter is different. Everybody's walk is different. Everybody's calling is different. 
but he's real. I think the most important thing people need to know is that he's real and he's really here. He's, his Holy Spirit is here. Yeah. And heaven is real, really real. And having gotten to go nine times and seen so many and had so many visions and seen so many things and and go where he is, go in your closet and he'll come to you. And everybody's got a different walk and everybody's got a different plan for their life. What does yours look like now, your daily walk? I mean, you're in this place, you're seeing things that most people don't see. You've experienced a lot of things heavenly and. Uh, I would think that your intimacy and connection with God is is an ongoing situation. What what does your daily walk look like now? Um, well, my husband and I get up every morning, and before we put our feet on the floor, we we pray and we worship and we put on our armor and we anoint our heads with oil and we take communion before we put the feet on the floor. Really. You wake up every morning and do those things before you get out of bed. Put before we get out of bed. We read the Bible. We read several books like Jonathan Kahn's Book of Mysteries. We read that every morning and read Guidepost and whatever. Um, read a lot of the Sarah Young, Jesus Calling. Jesus listens all of her books. Just read something. We read that. The Bible, pray, worship, put on our armor, and take communion. And then we put our feet on the floor. And it may be not 15 minutes later that I'm being horrible. <laughs> so yeah. it's not. Yeah, but that's an incredible way to start but, your day. And we'd end it that way, too, every day. We do the same thing at night before we turn the light out. Do you go into a, another time of, of one-on-one time with God in, in and prayer? And then I, I try no. I try to, because I've been meeting with this friend of mine for so many years, um, we meet every day that we can, and we come, we meet, and we read the Word and take communion, and I try to do praise and worship at some point. Um, I run into my prayer room and sit down and talk to God every day, and I think you need to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. You need that time by yourself. Absolutely. And then I have my friend that I meet with, and I just think the more you and the, I think the enemy is ramping up his pace now in these days, and it's more and more and more important. I need him as much now as I needed him when I was thirty three and found him at seventy six. I I still need him every minute of every day. That's a pretty rich spiritual walk that you involved in it which is great and you know you think about people and we have to (laughs) i've had many episodes on here and many conversations here where the point of the conversation is he is real it is real and i i think the main obstacle that prevents people from sort of engaging with that is the busyness of life it's all the things that are going on it's activities it's social it's work it's all these other things and and we don't have time for God. We don't make time for God. We don't spend time with God. We're not increasing our intimacy level with him. He knows us fully, but the more time we spend with him, the more we can recognize his voice and his the way he does things and the way he moves in our lives and so many other things. 
and I, you know, I, I guess I would have to come in here and say, with all of the things you're saying, you've carved out a great chunk of your time investing in intimacy with the Creator, with the Author of Life, and we all need to do that. We think we're too busy, but <laughs> I guarantee you this. I don't know if it's just iPhones or if it's other phones, but on my iPhone, on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., a little report pops up that shows me how much screen time I have averaged per day. <laughs> per day. And I'm shocked. It's like, there's no way I'm spending that amount of time with my face in this screen. Now, I know you could read scripture, and I know there's many things that you can do. Read all kind of articles. But if you could spend potentially hours a day there, you actually do have time. You've been, you've bought the illusion or the lie that you don't have time. And because of that, we don't spend time with God. And when we don't spend time with God, it can get to the point where we're not even sure if he's real or not. But I talked to somebody like you who I, I don't know how long it takes you to go from waking up throughout your whole spiritual routine before your feet even hit the floor for the first time, but it seems like it's a while. About and, 45 minutes. Yeah, and then you have other things throughout the day. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm still managing a business. Yeah, I, I, I get <laughs> it. that I were retired. Well, the point, I guess, is that time with God, there's nothing, I guess, for me, sort of more critical than that. I feel like I feel like my job is to do sort of three things. One is to grow in my intimacy with God and to know him better, to seek him out, to search for him, to run to him, to turn to him, to worship him, to know him as well as he will let me know him. I don't think you can overinvest in building intimacy with God. No, because he's always waiting. Yeah, you're right. He's always standing there waiting. That's right. And it doesn't take me. Sometimes I, I, I'm so busy in a day that I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, i got to get this done. i got to get this done. And then all of a sudden, it'll just come over me. Go sit in the room, as mm -hmm. we call it. Yeah. The room. And I, it's like, what are you doing? Yes, throw this stuff down. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. You don't need to check your emails. Yeah. You don't need to bust up and pay this bill now. You don't need to look at this business thing. But we get tugged all, but all the time. But you're just pulled, pulled, pulled. Yeah, even when you get ready, it's like, okay, I'm going to go do this, but I need to put those dishes away first. Yes. Or, or yes. It's, it's just little tugs here it's, and there. It's, yeah. Oh, but I, if, I'll do it as soon as I get this done. Oh, I've got to get this particular. But mm -hmm. trust me. You can't do anything yep. more critical than getting by yourself. I mean, sometimes I get up in the middle of the night and just go in the room. And I know that when I go in that room and I sit down and I close the door and I turn and I usually start with trying to praise mm -hmm. just to sing a song or two. Mm -hmm. I know that then I can just talk to Jesus and he'll always be there and he would do that in whatever form he does it for every single person yeah but if you don't spend time with him you won't get to know him better that is the foundation of, of you do of the whole spend time of him. the whole deal you spend time with him in prayer and in scripture and in whatever ways he guides you to do it yes beyond Same. that but those those things are, are key the second thing I 
I try to do or I am conscious of is that after that foundation, I think my job is then to go into the world and love. Love is everything. My job is to go into the world and love the way he loved. And I am not great at that. <laughs> I'm not either. And would that you could. I was getting yeah. ready to say, yeah. and would yeah. that you well, could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I think the third thing that is a, a conscious thing that I believe is deeply in his will for us is that we go and bear fruit for him. And um, when we have that foundation of love uh, in us, his presence in us, and we go into the world in love, I, I try to wake up and say, how, what am I going to do today to mm-hmm. most build the kingdom of God? And, and everybody's got a different calling. Yeah. And everybody's calling. That's where it looks different for sure. It's so different. And you want to ask him, Lord, what are you wanting me to do? What's, what's the call on my that, life? That's right. Who can I touch? How can I touch them? And he'll guide you because that's where our he's gifts real. Come in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where our gifts and callings come in that we've got to pay attention to. And uh, that's so good. So I got to ask some little nitpicking details about heaven <laughs> okay see any, did you see any notable people there uh, you know i've seen abraham and <laughs> so crazy abraham. benjamin franklin abraham lincoln or abraham the father abraham the father oh yeah abraham the father of all and benjamin franklin were walking down the street uh together together looking at a book sharing a book and um <laughs> isn't that funny and uh there they were and they just when they saw us, how did you know? Uh, I just knew. I just knew that's Abraham and Benjamin Franklin. That's what Jesus said. That's Abraham and Benjamin Franklin. And and I, I will say that Abraham was kind of taller and sort of um, he just looked different from the guy that was next to him. And the guy that was next to him was just shorter and had um, was a little bit rounder, maybe and. Abraham was taller and thinner, and um, I mean, people have bodies. Um, they look real. The the people are real, just like I've seen Joan of Arc, and, really, and teaching the children how to do spiritual warfare. That was on that same trip, and I looked over in this little grassy knoll that's over by the rushing river. She, I saw this girl dressed in this armor with these long blonde curls. And um, these children were just, she was just talking to these children of all different ages. And she, and then she got up and walked, was walking down the street and they got up and filed behind her in this kind of army file. And I said, what in the world? And he said that Jesus said, that's Joan of Arc. And she is teaching these children spiritual warfare for their parents and their families back home. So, and when I've told this story a million, you know, people have asked a million questions about it. All I know is what I saw. And that's what he said. Joan of Arc, the children. Color. What's color like? Oh, it's like, it's almost like 3D color. It's vibrant it's alive. Everything in heaven is so alive. There's nothing dead. It's so just vibrant and real and beautiful and incredible. I've heard, read, 
um, people, other people's accounts and on NDEs, and, and I know I've referenced that several times, but I've had people that I've read that said there are colors there that don't exist here. Probably so. It's just so vibrant. And and the, the alive, the alive, almost moving thing was mentioned. And when they talk about the color and the music and other things like that, I've heard somebody describe it as, you're asking me to describe something I saw into the limited three-dimension, three-dimensional yes, world we live in here. It's, it's way more dimensions there than it is here. And so it's very difficult to cram the description into a three-dimension visual. Exactly. You can't, it's like that fourth trip, the leaves that were on the tree were, there was like a whole back behind us that in my yard, and my yard did look much better the fourth time. <laughs> a lot had grown up. <laughs> Looked really good. And so that's why I thought maybe I could really stay this time. <laughs> it's a mature yard. But, uh, and I've, and actually another time when I've been, I, by the oak tree in 2017 in our yard fell and it was my favorite tree. It fell on our house, crushed a bunch of stuff. And we happened to be in Scotland at the time, but this is great. I have seen that oak tree in my yard. Oh, wow. In heaven. Really? So that's really cool. That's cool. But um, we were sitting and the, um, the leaves on this tree were like just red. There was a whole band of red and a whole band of gold. And the leaves were just almost three-dimensional color mm. of beautiful red and beautiful gold. And I wondered then, I wa- because I didn't see any leaves on the ground, you know, like fall leaves. I didn't know if there were seasons. Is there season here? Mm. Because these these leaves look fall. Had the fallish colors. Had yeah. the fallish colors. Yeah. And Jesus, um, I had on this white robe and this time, and the color, my the sash that I had on kept changing. Everything kept changing from crimson to to gold. To And Jesus had on a gold robe that time and Abraham and Benjamin Franklin had on white robes with green sashes so the color is very very real there it's just it's just 3D it's just um, surpasses the everything here is fallen and everything here everything there isn't that's why you can breathe under the water. That's why the the seashore is incredible. All the sands that go from all the different colors, from you know pink to gray to um, gorgeous, all the different sands of the earth are all there. And there, the the beach goes from one to the next to the next in color. In color, mm. and um, the the glistening. Uh, the glory of God on the on the ocean is mind-boggling, and yet they are too. The kids are swimming under the water. They can swim under the water. They come up. They're happy. They're out there playing. And the adults, the children. So and I've had lots of people ask me over the years, you know, what about children? I don't know. All I know is what I've seen. And, you know, if you've ever, it's just like, if somebody told me, 
the Eiffel Tower wasn't real, I'd have to say, well, I'm sorry, but I've seen the Eiffel Tower and been up in it 14 times. I'm pretty sure it's real. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been here nine times, and what I've seen is as real as that. Mm. Heaven is real. And I don't know where all the people, you know, I don't know how it all works, but I know what I've seen. Wow. And you can't deny what you've actually seen and experienced. Can't do it. It's real. A real place. What an awesome thing to discuss. That's what a fun conversation, <laughs> you know. I, I got so many other uh, things. It's like the streets of gold. You think it's a gold, and then I hear that well, it's Well, it looks clear. like lucite. lucite. It looks like gold lucite. Really? It's smooth, and it's it's gold, but it's gold. Just like the stream was like gold, um, a little sparkling, like silty sand, but the sand was gold. Mm. The street was gold, like lucite, where you walk on it but it was clear, but totally gold. I'm assuming Jesus can exist uh, with everybody in the individual way that he existed yes. with you at the same. Yeah. I, he's got the perfect plan for everybody. And he's, he is, he's still the same Jesus. He is Jesus. Yeah. He just has a way to show you who he is and everybody's way is perfect for them. Yeah. To be perfect for them because he's so all knowing and all everything. I hope people have gotten a visual or perspective of heaven in such a way that maybe has challenged their thoughts of how maybe it has been before. I think, um, I think about people who have lost children mm. to disease, cancer, and the horribleness that comes from watching your child suffer. Uh, it's not happened to our family. Uh, it's happened to many people or mm. a loved one. And the agony we experience on earth with the pain that is relentless in, in those types of things or other trauma or difficult things that have happened here, especially as it relates to people who have passed, uh, and especially if you feel like maybe they suffered on earth or whatever else it is, until you start thinking about heaven, until you start thinking about what they are experiencing there and what they experienced in the moment of transition, um, and talking to people who have, who have passed there was no suffering. There was, it was an instantaneous at the feet of Jesus moment. And yes. that was glorious. There was, there was no suffering. It was beautiful and amazing. Yeah. And the dying experience is the greatest experience you'll ever have. Well, on earth, <laughs> so that's, on earth, as we watch our child battle a brain tumor, that's consuming mm -hmm. them and causing them to throw up constantly with no control. It, it seems like it's a torturous, painful, grueling, experience and in those moments i guess it, and is. it is but in the dying moment in the, in the transition it is all that's been the great thing i can't tell you the number of places that over the years that i've told it and i find that it has really sunday school classes churches i find 
that, in fact, even last Monday night, somebody that had lost their child. I find the comfort from my heaven experiences. They've come to me and said, you can't imagine what your heaven experiences have done for me, yeah. having lost a child, to know that I'll be with them again, to know that I'll see them again, to know that they're there, to know that I will spend eternity with them. In fact, one time, many, many, many years ago, I told it in a women's agape, uh, and I, this is so horrible, I had lost my dog when, and had been run over. And I was devastated, and I had to go like a, the, the next day, and I was telling my heaven experiences. And a lady came up to me after the talk that I told it. She came up and she said, do you know that I buried my last child yesterday? And I don't know how I got here, but this is the first hope I've had to know that heaven is really real, and I will really spend eternity with those children that I have buried. So it has meant more to people who have lost children. I would think, yeah. Than um, probably any of the people. It's amazing the path, the people that God has put in the audiences to hear about heaven. Just like my, my goddaughter, she had got leukemia and she was 16. And she would call me in the dark of night. And I'd say, you call me anytime. Uh, she ended up dying at St. Jude's. But I said, Rebecca, if you get to go to hell, if you die, you will go to heaven. And you wouldn't consider coming back. Or God will heal you and you will grow up here. And she ended up, she would just call and say, tell me again, tell me again about heaven, tell me again. And she died. And I have seen, she, I have seen her, I don't know how many times. And every time she comes, she has a baby in her arms. She gets to keep the little aborted baby nursery. And that's what she, she said, it's so much fun, you were right. You're right. This is just so much fun. I'd much rather be here. And I get to keep the aborted baby nursery. And I have, I mean, she has come, I've probably seen her three or four times. Not too long ago. I saw her about a year ago when I was in church, actually. And she was there with a boy that had just died. At um, He died on a um, boat accident. And he fell off. And his parents were just crushed. He was probably 25 or 30. And he came with her and she, she was a friend. She had known him when she was a little bitty girl and they came and I saw them and he was standing there with Rebecca and she had her arm around him. And he said, please go tell my parents that I fell off that boat. And my head, when my head was crashing, Jesus came to me and showed me who he really was. And now I'm in heaven. Go tell my parents that I'm in heaven waiting for them. They'll love it. So I have just been so blessed because people just need to know that it's real. And those parents needed to know that their son was safe and sound in Jesus' arms. 
these experiences are just uh, amazing. And, you know, I, I guess it's, you knew going in that you sharing things like this openly and publicly uh, is risky. And uh, it, it's not something that the world believes is real. And anyone speaking in these ways, unless you're a super spiritual person, um, you would be labeled as unstable or maybe mm-hmm. um, medicated or um, otherwise untrustworthy to speak true things. And um, the people that I know that know you indicate otherwise about you. <laughs> I've asked people. And um, this just awesome to hear. I love sitting, talking about what you've seen and recognize as heaven. And of course, Jesus as well. And who are we to say that this is not true? I mean, who are we? I mean, is this something that's, if God is real, that's outside of uh, his power? Certainly not. I mean, if he is an infinite God and he necessarily exists outside of the laws of time and space and matter and all the other things that he created, (laughs) this isn't a challenge for him. It's not something that he couldn't do. And uh, we just don't hear of it. And maybe it's happened to other people and they don't tell about it because... And I didn't want to tell it either. Yeah. I told him I'd come back, but I wasn't thinking about telling anybody because they'd lock me up and think I was crazy. And for a long, long, long time, I didn't tell anybody but my family. But once he said, you got to do it, and he said, I'll be with you every time. And once I started, tell, once I told it the first time, and the, I mean, I even told it at a men's group <laughs> Oh, God, I'm told in a men's group downtown. And I didn't know when I was asked to tell it that I would be the first woman that ever spoke. <laughs> Nobody told me that. No, no, he didn't tell me that. And that there would be a lot of pastors there. And I mean, when I walked into the room, I was, oh, my gosh, I didn't get warned about this. And so I'm telling them. And when it was over, I had several of the men come up and say, why? Would God take you to heaven? Who are you? You know, and I, you know, why would God not take me before He'd take you? I'm not <laughs> said, you know, take it or leave it. It's up to you. But out of that experience, because of that experience, one of the men that heard it loved it so much that when he was a, and when I then when I was asked to speak at the National Day of Prayer by the mayor, then I was asked to come tell it at the. Two of the men, and one of them was the man who heard it at that, because he called me later and said, tell me more, tell me more, mm-hmm. I want to hear more, I want to hear more. And so, way later, he said, I want you to take my time, I'm going to say two sentences. And this other man said, and I've heard your t- story, and I'm going to say two sentences, and we're going to give you our time for you to tell all about heaven at this National Day of Prayer. And the auditorium was full, you know, mm-hmm. and God just has mysterious ways. I was here. I was thinking, I wish I hadn't gone to this meeting. What somebody should have told me it was a lie. I would be the first woman to speak. And these men said, Why would he take you? Because you're a woman and you're not a pastor. (laughs) So you just don't know. God has a mysterious ways of working around, through, above, and beyond anything we could ask or think. Just awesome. 
if we could sit here, I feel like and I could ask you 4,000 more questions about the details of the blades of grass and the clouds, if there are any. And I, I could just go on and on and on. But your your encounters are amazing. And uh, I feel like I'm going to have to probably um, invite you to coffee again and, and hear more things and maybe even get you back here. Maybe we have a dis- maybe we have discussion on landscaping and we could we could do a we could do a whole series here. Yeah. Right. And how long it takes those flowers to grow. Yeah. <laughs> those trees, so they need to get things. big, don't they? I need to know about this construction process as well. All, all kinds of yeah, stuff. Yeah, those it's, houses that are all in different stages of construction. Yeah. As you walk down that gold street, it's yeah, funny. Yeah, I, I, there's so many questions to ask, so we may just have to do it again. But Rebecca Lamoureux, what an extraordinary life you've lived. And uh, to lay yourself open to experience spirituality in the way that you have, and, and it sounds like maybe you didn't make that decision. It sounds like you got pulled into a place <laughs> where you didn't necessarily ask. But uh, when you asked God to break into your life, he did in a really pronounced way. And he's been giving you these gifts since that time and uh i'll be honest i wish it was me but that's really i I, I really do i know people would probably think i'm more crazy than i am right now but um no i have had cancer five times and done a lot of other so you might not really want to be you might not really want to be me i want to be closer i want to be pulled in further you've had cancer five times i have had cancer five times have you been healed of that i have been i don't have cancer wow but I have not had a dramatic, um, uh, pretty dramatic for me. But yeah, miracles. I've had miracles. <laughs> so we got a whole series. We got we have a Rebecca Lamoureux series of uh, her experiences. <laughs> but uh, I'm just so blessed and thankful to get the chance to sit across the table from you and, and hear your account and of the ways that God has shown you things that just doesn't show everybody and uh, so thankful that you share them and I hope it challenges people's views on the reality that we live in now and um, that we are in a very temporary place and that life truly is eternal and that what awaits us is grander than we could ever ever comprehend and uh, you know I, I don't know how much you got shown I, I'd be surprised if it was everything, but um, I know it isn't everything. You, you that's know? for sure. Uh, maybe Ooh, you got a lot just more a to taste, see, right? just a tiny so, bit. Um, but what a blessing it is to have you Thank here, you. and I am so thankful that you came. Thank you, Rebecca. It's fun. I loved it. It's hard to hear about Rebecca's experiences and not have our preconceived ideas of heaven and the truth of the spiritual life challenged to some degree. Many of the details of heaven mentioned by Rebecca have also been reported by many people who have experienced what they believe to be a higher realm of existence when they had near-death experiences. And many of those that I've explored personally have been collected in scientific research projects where subjects were fully vetted to eliminate religious bias or expectations of compensation. I hope this conversation has opened up a window of curiosity into the reality of heaven for you. And I hope you consider it with more energy than you may have until now and begin to explore it intentionally. And I hope this for all of us, because when we set our eyes on God and come to realize that this life on earth is but a single breath relative to our eternal lives, we're much more likely to live this life more fully as we anticipate the life to come. And if you believe you have experienced the heavenly realm in some way, 
consider reaching out to us. We'd love to speak with you. Thank you for joining us today on A Stronger Faith. To learn more about Rebecca and her experiences, please visit wordwaypress.com. For more episodes like this one, to recommend a guest, or to support this ministry, please visit astrongerfaith.com. Until next time, we pray for a deep internal peace and a stronger faith for you and those you love.